happening, world? I'm your host, the Wizard of Waz, Benji Wozniak. And today I'm going to talk about the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa Massacre on May 31st and June 1st, 1921. So at the turn of the 20th century, the Greenwood District of Tulsa, Oklahoma, became one of the first communities in the country thriving with black entrepreneurial businesses. The prosperous town, founded by many descendants of slaves, earned the reputation of the Black Wall Street of America and became a harbor for African-Americans in a highly segregated city under the Jim Crow laws. On May 31, 1921, Dick Rowland, a 19-year-old black shoe shiner, tripped and fell into an elevator, and his hand accidentally caught the shoulder of Sarah Page, a white 17-year-old operator. Page screamed, and Rowland was seen running away. Police were summoned, but Page refused to press charges. However, by that time, in the afternoon, there was already talks of lynching Roland on the white streets of Tulsa. The tension that escalated after the white newspaper Tulsa Tribune ran a front-page story entitled Nab Negro for Attacking Girl in Elevator, which accused Roland of stalking, assaulting, and, and rape. A group of World War I black veterans went to the courthouse to stop the angry mob that formed to lynch Roland. Shots were fired and the veterans ran, being chased by the mob, which turned Greenwood upside down in one of the worst racial massacres in the U.S. history. In the matter of hours, 35 square blocks of the vibrant black community were turned into smoldering ashes. Countless black people were killed. Estimates ranged from 55 to more than 300 men, women, and children were killed, and a thousand homes and businesses were destroyed, looted, and set fire. Planes were used to drop turpentine bombs on buildings. It was literally a, a horror show. Uh, a survivor, Viola Fletcher, was just seven years old during the massacre and stated during an emotional statement on Capitol Hill, the now 107-year-old Fletcher stated, I will never forget the violence of the white mob when we left our home. I still see black men being shot, black bodies lying in the streets. I still smell smoke and see fire. I still see black businesses burn, being burned down. I still hear the screams. Fletcher told lawmakers, I have lived through the massacre every day. Our country may forget this history, but I cannot. A 10-page eyewitness-typed manuscript on yellow legal paper was found in states. I could see planes circling in midair. They grew in number and hummed and darted and dipped low. I could hear something like hail falling upon the top of my office building. Down East Archer, I saw the old Midway Hotel on fire, burning from its top. And another, and another building began to burn from their top. That was written by eyewitness Buck Corbett Franklin, who was born in 1879 and died in 1960. Franklin also wrote, The sidewalks were literally covered with burning turpentine balls. I knew all too well where they came from, and I knew all too well where every burning building first caught from the top. I paused and waited for an opportunity to escape. Where, oh where, is the splendid fire department with its half-dozen stations? I asked myself, is the city in conspiracy with the mob? I know we think that 9-11 was the first terrorist attack on Americans by plane, but honestly, this is the first attack on Americans by plane, because these people were Americans attacked by Americans, and that is the awfulest thing I've ever heard. So let me go back, and I'm going to explain how... Uh, Greenwood actually became what it was. Uh, O.W. Gurley, a wealthy black landowner, purchased 40 acres of land in the Tulsa area in 1906 and named the area Greenwood. Its population stemmed largely from formerly enslaved black people and sharecroppers who relocated to the area fleeing the racial terror they experienced in other areas. But Oklahoma, which became a state in 1907, was still segregated at the time. So as Gurley opened a boarding house, grocery stores, and sold land to other black people, they secured their own houses and opened businesses. The population grew to 11,000, and the area became an economic powerhouse, affectionately called Black Wall Street. Greenwood functioned independently. 
with its own school system, post office, library, hospital, public transits, bank, and also had luxury shops, restaurants, grocery stores, hotels, jewelry and clothing stores, movie theaters, barbershops and salons, pool halls, nightclubs, and offices for doctors, lawyers, and dentists. So literally, people who had nothing created a thriving community and gave themselves hope, only to have it torn away from them by racism and bigotry. Viola Fletcher stated, I had everything a child could need. The night of the massacre, I was awakened by my family. My parents and five siblings were there. I was told we had to leave, and that was it. Now picture this, if you will. Say you're home right now. You just left the neighborhood, and all of a sudden, out of a dead sleep, you're woken up by screams. And you look out the window to see smoke and fire and hear gunshots and look and see planes flying over with like lights flashing off houses and fires burning. This is what these people woke up to. This is out of, for no reason, no explanation. They didn't know what was going on. All they knew was that they had to get out of their house. But they were going out into the, to the open where people were being killed. Their neighbors were literally laying in the streets dead. And they had to get away from there and do the best they could to survive. And that is what happened this night. And that is awful. That is a terrible thing to think that this happened in America. And it was covered up for years upon years upon years. No one knew about this until recently when it was you know, recently discovered those photos and the truth came out. That's sad. History often refers to the 20s as the Roaring 20s. But for a black man and a woman in America, the Roaring 20s had a different meaning. It meant the roaring of fire. They had to wake up maybe to have the house burned and the children's murdered and their friends and family killed. That was the roaring they heard in the 20s. On June 1st, 1921, the National Guard declared martial law and ended the massacre. Only one white hospital agreed to hold the black injured from the massacre, and they held them in the basement. This is how they were treated. Over 6,000 displaced black families were put into internment camps on the fairground, and two days later released with nowhere to go because the town was burned to the ground. The massacre was actively covered up in the white community in Tulsa for nearly a half a century and has only recently been brought forward. I encourage you to look up and view the photos of the massacre and truly understand the horror that these people endured. The police chief at that time ordered his officers to go to all the photography studios in Tulsa and confiscate all the pictures taken. Luckily, these photos were recovered and the awful truth brought to light. I know some of you might be thinking that this is only one incident, but I'm going to share with you other incidents that happened almost the same time period. The East St. Louis Massacre of 1917 was a serious outbreaks of labor and race-related violence by white Americans who murdered between 40 and 250 African Americans in late May and early July of 1917. Another 6,000 black people were left homeless, and the burning and vandalism cost approximately 400000 in property damage. This all started over hiring of black workers in a facility holding government contracts. The Chicago race riot of 1919 was a violent racial conflict started by white Americans against black Americans that began on the south side of Chicago, Illinois, on July 27th and ended on August 3rd, 1919. During the riots, 38 people died, 23 black and 15 white over the week. Injuries attributed to the episode's confrontation stood at 530, with two-thirds of the injured being black and one-third white, and approximately 1,000 to 2,000 more of whom were black lost their homes. It is considered the worst of nearly 25 riots and civil disturbances in the United States during the Red Summer of 1919, justly named so because of the racial and labor violence and fatalities across the nation. Now, the Elaine Massacre occurred on September 30th through October 1st, 1919, at Hoopspur in the vicinity of Elaine in the rural Phillips County, Arkansas. The Elaine Massacre was by far the deadliest racial confrontation in Arkansas's history, and possibly the bloodiest racial conflict in the history of the United States. While its deepest roots lay in the state's commitment to white supremacy, the events in Elaine stemmed from racial relations and 
growing concerns about the labor unions. A shooting incident that occurred at the meeting of the Progressive Farmers and Household Union escalated into a mob violence on the part of the white people in Lane and surrounding areas. Although the exact number of African Americans killed by whites range into the hundreds, five white people lost their lives. I'd like to thank my friend Anthony Bushu who sent me documentaries on the Tulsa massacres. And uh, I'd like to also say that this is just my little part, bringing out this blemish in American history, all these blemishes in American history. This is stuff that's not taught in school and has been covered up over the years, and I think it should be brought to light. You, you'd like to think that, that times have changed and stuff like this doesn't go on anymore, but then you watch the media and you see all the stuff that's recently happened where they have to have the Black Lives Matter movement, and it's just it's disgusting to think that we haven't progressed over, over all these years and we're still at the same point. And even worse, recently there was a girl lynched in Massachusetts. Michaela Miller was found dead on April 18th in Hopkinton, Massachusetts. But the investigation into the 16-year-old's death was delayed by local police under the threat of exposing high school students' sexuality, according to social media posts attributed to Michaela's mother. The statement alleged that Michaela was ambushed and murdered by a group of kids. The statement added that neither the Hopkinton Police Department nor the Massachusetts State Police responded accordingly, and that a state trooper warned Michaela's mother against seeking media attention or else her daughter's sexuality would be exposed. That is absolutely disgusting. I mean, who cares about this daughter's sexuality? These kids lynched a girl. This is not even any way remotely something that should be considered her sexuality. It should be these kids punished by the full strength of the law. Any parent who knew about this, any neighbor who knew about this, anybody in that city that knew about this and didn't come forward to say who did this, should be punished. They should be ashamed of themselves. They, I don't even see how you could look in the mirror and know that you let a child be lynched in this day and age. Shame. Shame on you all. And the worst part is, this happens all around the world right now. There are countries where people are being murdered because of the color of their skin. And it's just disgusting. There is no respect for human life anymore. And it's just, it's out of control. And something definitely needs to be done. Well, I hope my episode has you thinking more about what's going on in the world today. I encourage you again to look at all these documentaries about these different massacres and the atrocities that occurred during that time period. I thank you all again for listening to my show. And please tune in next time to What's Happening.